0: Part 3, Chapter 12, Sections 3 and 4 of The Friendship of Christ by Robert Hugh Benson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 3, Christ in His Historical Life. Chapter 12, The Seven Words, Christ Our Friend Crucified. Section 3 two of the personages standing beside the cross are for all christians for all time the supreme types of divine and human love there is mary loved into immaculate being by the eternal father the mother herself of immaculate love and john the chosen disciple allowed to rest his head even before he had attained heaven upon the breast of that same immaculate love surely these two mary and john are already as wholly one as love can make them those who love god so perfectly cannot love one another less perfectly yet jesus in his seven words upon the cross devotes one to make them closer still. Number 1. Our Lord desires not merely to form friendships between himself and every human soul, but to unite friends in divine charity to one another. He makes in fact the bond of charity between men the final test of charity towards himself he that loveth not his brother whom he seeth how can he love god whom he seeth not one john chapter four verse twenty as long as you did it not to one of these least neither did you do it to me matthew chapter twenty five verse forty five the second commandment is like unto the first thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself Mark chapter 12, verse 31, and Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. If one half of the energies of his life on earth had been to draw men to himself, the other half has been to draw men to one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. John chapter 13, verse 35 he pronounces blessings then not merely on those who hunger and thirst after justice after the divine font of justice but upon the peacemakers and the meek for those who forgive not one another their trespasses those who do not make the divine bond between them stronger than the human divisions that would separate them cannot have their own trespasses forgiven cannot that is rely upon a divine bond which they themselves have repudiated number two now the union of men with one another is in one sense the object of every human society there has been verified gradually even in the most worldly spheres that fact which has always been preached by Christianity that union is strength, that cooperation is better than competition, that to lose self in a society of some kind is the only means of saving self, that individuality can be retained only by the sacrifice of individualism but in practically all human societies that have ever existed the bond of union is thought to be one of prosperity if we can rejoice together win together triumph together we shall be able to love one another now jesus christ does something that has never been done before he uses suffering as the supreme bond of love love one another he cries from the cross because you are strong enough to suffer together mother cries the dying friend of us all behold thy son son behold thy mother this word then is no less significant of an immense spiritual principle than are the rest mary and john have loved one another perfectly as perfectly that is to say as a common joy has made possible together they have watched his triumph mary has seen him the child of joy upon her breast john upon his breast has seen him rejoice in spirit but from today onwards their common love rises to yet greater heights they love one another now not merely in the sacred heart but in the pierced and broken sacred heart hitherto they have been perfect friends henceforth they are blood relations relations in a blood more intimate to them than their own a blood shed for the remission of sins it is not friend behold thy friend but mother behold thy son son behold thy mother number three. First, then this is the bond which unites mary to ourselves not that she sang the magnificat but that the sword pierced her own heart also sorrow wrongly received is a mightier force than all ordinary human affections sorrow born with resentment and bitterness isolates the soul not only from god but from her own fellows the wounded stag creeps away to die in loneliness but on the other hand if sorrow is welcomed and taken in if it is made by the very effort which welcomes it a bond of union with others that suffer a link is forged which all the powers of hell cannot break if mary had been given us as our mother in bethlehem if she had wrapped herself in her unique joy if she had been to us but a figure of incarnate bliss then when the horror of darkness fell upon us we too should have crept away from even her to suffer in loneliness a religion that presented to us Mary with her living child in her arms, and had no Mary with her dead son across her knees, could not have been the religion to which we should turn in utter confidence when all else had failed. More, she could not have been our mother in any but an adopted sense, if her bearing of us had been without pain but as it is she who brought forth her unfallen firstborn painlessly brought forth the rest of her fallen human family in agony and darkness indeed she is the mother of the redeemed because she was the mother of redemption she stood by the cross of jesus as she had knelt by his cradle and she is our mother then by that very blood by which both she and we are alike redeemed the mother of sorrows must always be nearer to the human race than even the cause of our joy second it is only too easy so soon as we begin to make any progress in spiritual religion to forget those simple elementary duties in which that religion began or to put it another way it is only too easy when we have begun to experience an intimate and personal relationship with jesus christ to forget or at least to minimize the relations that bind us to one another our lord therefore in this word directs our attention once more to the elementary fact that he that loveth not his brother whom he seeth cannot love God whom he seeth not, however fervid or ecstatic his emotions may seem. We have then continually to test the reality of our devotion to him by our practical devotion to one another. If ever then there is a time when it is proper for us to turn to one another and to verify our charity, it is when we stand beneath the cross, since it is the supreme glory of the cross that it claims to make suffering the deepest bond of human relations. Muhammad and Buddha lived to make men one buddha even we are told returned to earthly life to accomplish this but it is jesus christ alone who died to unite them every earthly kingdom is troubled by sedition and faction so soon as it begins to totter the kingdom of god alone draws its bonds more closely as it approaches more nearly the extinction of calvary this is the moment then when our souls are most exalted in watching our savior die to turn from that sight to the most ordinary and simple relationships of everyday life and to ask ourselves whether we have that final proof of our discipleship of jesus that we love one another it is an appalling fact that again and again those who claim to be enjoying the most intimate friendship with God, are distinguished by selfishness and a lack of charity towards their neighbors. That it is those, again and again, above all others, who live what are called misunderstood lives, who actually advance their rule of life, or the calls of their devotion, as arguments against their having time or energy to be kind to their servants or acquaintances. She is at her prayers, therefore she must not be disturbed. He is getting ready for the sacraments, therefore it is natural that he should be a little peevish and preoccupied. Go home, then, and make up that foolish quarrel once and for all go home and apologize simply and sincerely for your share in that trouble in which perhaps the other was even more to blame than yourself it is intolerable that the friends of the crucified that those even who aspire to be friends of the crucified should think it conceivable to be at peace with god who are not at peace with wife or husband or parents behold your mother your son that soul with whom you are at variance has a bond with you far greater than that of a common creation the fact that the eternal word died for you both upon the cross is an infinitely stronger link of union than the fact that the eternal word willed you both into being for while the fall broke the harmony of creation the redemption restored it and this restoration is a far greater marvel than even creation itself no man can be a friend of jesus christ who is not a friend to his neighbor section four the darkness of calvary spiritual as well as physical draws on to its deepest christ has prayed for those who have outraged and repudiated his friendship he who was always the friend of sinners has added one more to the company he who was always the friend of saints has united two of them yet more closely than ever by the wedding of pain now he draws inwards from the world for which he has done so much he directs this consciousness into his own sacred humanity and in a word at which heaven and earth tremble together reveals to us that the sacred humanity as a part of that process by which he chose to taste death for all and to learn obedience by the things which he suffered has to experience the sorrow of dereliction he who came to offer that sacred humanity as the bond of friendship between god and man wills that his own friendship with god should be obscured he becomes indeed the friend of fallen man for he chooses to identify himself with the horror of that fall the beatific vision which was lost to man through that fall and which jesus christ can never lose is now obscured to the eyes of him who comes to restore it through redemption number one now the true happiness of man consists in his gradual approach to the beatific vision christ offers us his friendship on earth that friendship in which all human happiness consists as a pledge and as a means of obtaining that final union with him in heaven which we call by that name therefore the joy of christ himself on earth that joy which again and again burst out into words during his earthly life or into deeds of power and mercy or into the silent radiance of the transfiguration that joy arose from the beatific vision on which he continually lived he endured as seeing him that is invisible hebrews chapter eleven verse twenty seven it is now on calvary that the supreme outrage takes place that that which has been his support throughout his thirty years of life the strength of that meat of which his disciples knew nothing has become while not withdrawn yet darkened to his eyes together with every other consolation human or divine that might conceivably have taken its place the darkened sun above him was a faint and shadowy type of his own darkened soul the sun is turned into blackness and the moon into blood and the stars fall from heaven and the earth shakes as of his own free will and deliberate choice he enters not merely into the shadow of death but into the death of deaths itself it is this death of which he tasted in this hour he puts from him the one and only thing that makes life tolerable his body torn and strained on the cross is but a faint incarnation of the agony of his derelict soul my god my god why hast thou forsaken me matthew chapter twenty seven verse forty six number two THIS WORD IS THE ONE THAT, ABOVE ALL OTHERS, IS MOST DIFFICULT OF APPLICATION TO OURSELVES, FOR THE STATE IN WHICH IT WAS UTTERED IS SIMPLY INCONCEIVABLE TO US WHO FIND OUR CONSOLATION IN SO MUCH THAT IS NOT GOD, AND TO WHOM SIN MEANS SO LITTLE. IF PHYSICAL COMFORTS ARE WANTING TO US, WE FIND REFUGE IN MENTAL COMFORT if mental comforts are wanting we lean upon our friends or more usually when the higher pleasures are withdrawn we find relief with scarcely an effort in lower when religion fails us we console ourselves with the arts when love or ambition disappoint us we plunge into physical pleasures when the body refuses to respond we take refuge in our indomitable pride and when that in its turn crumbles to nothing we look to suicide and hell as a more tolerable environment there seems no depth to which we will not go in our passionate determination to make ourselves tolerable to ourselves this word then is meaningless to most of us for to jesus christ when the beatific vision was overlaid with sorrow there was nothing in heaven or upon earth i looked for one that would grieve together with me but there was none for one that would comfort me and i found none psalm 68 verse 21 the tragedy goes on up there in the darkness we hear the groan we catch glimpses of the tortured, colorless face behind which the soul itself hangs crucified. We grope, we conjecture, we attempt to form lower images of the august reality, but that is all. Two great lessons, however, translated into terms that we can perhaps partly understand come down to us. 1 occasionally even we ourselves rise to the point in the spiritual life where our friendship with christ is our chief joy among all the other and lesser consolations that god gives the fact that we know him and can speak with him is reckoned by us as sufficiently sweet as to make its apparent withdrawal the most acute of all our sorrows i need hardly say that this requires no particular proficiency in spiritual things it is in fact impossible to be sincere and persevering in our religion without sooner or later experiencing it well such a point is reached by us let us say and then on a sudden without our being conscious of anything more than our usual faithlessness and lethargy this spiritual pleasure in religion is swiftly and completely withdrawn. And then what is our usual response? As was remarked just now, a usual plan is instantly to find consolation elsewhere. We distract ourselves, as we say. We turn our attention to other things. But a yet commoner plan is to lose heart altogether. TO GIVE UP THE PRACTICES WHICH CAUSE US PAIN, AND MEANWHILE TO COMPLAIN BITTERLY OF THE WAY IN WHICH OUR FRIEND IS TREATING US. CERTAINLY A CRY OF HELP IS NOT ONLY JUSTIFIABLE, BUT ACTUALLY MERITORIOUS, FOR OUR LORD HIMSELF SO CRIED UPON THE CROSS. THE FAULT LIES NOT IN SO CRYING, BUT IN RESENTING WHILE WE CRY it seems to us in our complacency as if we had deserved better of our lord as if there was a kind of right on our part to insist always upon the sense of our friend's presence yet how with such withdrawals is progress possible how is our hold upon our friend to be tightened unless now and again it seems as if he were slipping from our grasp how is real faith to throw out its roots and clench its fibres into the rock unless the desolating wind of trouble at times threatens to uproot us altogether for the keener the tribulation and the more bitter the dregs the more honourable is the draught to hold our lips to that cup which our saviour drained even though its bitterness is diluted by his mercy the honour of this should surely be enough to make us hold our peace for very shame two a second lesson is that the state in which god is the all of a soul is a state in which we are bound at any rate to aspire it is not enough that the friendship of christ should be merely the first of our various interests christ is not merely the first he is alpha and omega the beginning and the end he is not the relatively most important he is the absolute and the all religion is not one of the departments which make up our life that is religiosity but religion is that which enters into every department the fabric on which every device whether of art or literature or domestic interests or recreation or business or human love must be embroidered unless it is this it is not religion as it is intended to be to make it so however is the supreme difficulty of spiritual life to make it that is not only an integral element in the whole of life but the dominant element in every department in such a sense that its claims are imperative always everywhere again not in the sense that the soul is uninterested in everything except the actual forms of worship or theology or asceticism or morals this again may be called religiosity or at least a sort of professionalism but in such a way that the will or the power or the beauty of god is subconsciously perceived in everything and that nothing is secular except sin now this let us remind ourselves is actually intended to be the life of every human soul and in proportion as we approximate to it we are more or less fulfilling our destiny for it is only to a soul that has reached this state that god can be all he becomes all because nothing is any longer alien to him whether you eat or drink or whatsoever else you do do all to the glory of god 1 corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 the whole of life becomes illuminated with his presence everything is seen to subsist in him nothing has any value Except so far as it is in relations with Him. This, then, is the state for which a Christian soul is bound to strive and aspire. This, and this only, is the entirety of the friendship of Christ. To a soul in this condition, and to her alone, can Jesus truly be said to be all. And this, further, is the only state in which real dereliction is possible to lose jesus if he occupies nine-tenths of our life surely brings extraordinary pain but there yet will remain one-tenth in which the loss is not felt one fractional interest to which the soul may turn for consolation but when he occupies the whole of life when there is not one moment of the day one movement of the senses one perception or act of the mind in which he is not the background subconsciously perceived and apprehended at least then indeed when he withdraws himself the sun is darkened and the moon cannot give her light then indeed the saviour goes out of life and the colour fades from the sky and form vanishes from beauty and harmony from sound it is such a soul as this, and this only, who can dare without presumption to take on her lips the words of Christ himself, and to cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For in losing thee, I lose all. End of Part 3, Chapter 12, Section 4